0: CHAPTER 1 OF UNDER BOY SCOUT COLORS This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. UNDER BOY SCOUT COLORS BY JOSEPH BUSHNELL AMES CHAPTER 1 THE LIVE WIRE Dale Tompkins slung the bulging bag of papers over one shoulder, and, turning away from the newsstand, walked briskly down the main street of Hillsgrove. The rain had ceased, and the wind that had howled fiercely all day long was shifting into the west, where it tore to tatters the banks of dun-gray clouds, letting through gleams and patches of cold blue sky tinged with the pale, chill yellow of a typical autumn sunset the cold look of that sunset was well borne out by a keen nip in the air but dale was too thankful to have it clear at all to complain besides he wasn't especially the complaining sort turning up the collar of a rather shabby coat he thrust both hands deep into his trousers' pockets, and hurried, whistling along, bent on delivering his papers in the quickest possible time. "'I ought to get home by seven, anyhow,' he thought calculatingly. "'And if Mother'll only give me a hurry-up snack, I'll be in time for meeting.' He rolled the last word under his tongue, with the prideful accent of a novice then with a sudden start one hand jerked out of his pocket and slipped between the buttons of the threadbare coat for an anxious moment it groped there before the fingers closed over a metal badge shaped like a trefoil that was pinned securely to the flannel shirt a somewhat sheepish grin overspread the freckled face and through an open gate Dale shot a paper dexterously across the porch to land accurately in the middle of the doormat. "'I'd hate to lose it the very first week,' he muttered, with a touch of apology. Mechanically, he delivered another paper, and then he sighed. "'Gee, a month sure seems an awful long time to wait when you know about all the tests already.' "'I could even pass some of the first-class ones, I bet. "'That handbook's a dandy, all right. "'I don't guess there was ever another book printed "'with so much in it, except in maybe.' "'The words froze on his lips, "'and he caught his breath with a sharp hissing intake. "'From somewhere in the next block, "'a scream rang out on the still air. "'So shrill, so sudden, so full of surprise and pain and utter terror that dale's blood turned cold within him and the arm half extended to toss a folded paper halted in the middle of its swing as if encountering an invisible obstacle the pause was only momentary abruptly as if two hands were pressed around a throbbing throat the cry was cut off and in the deathly silence that followed Dale hurled the paper hastily, but accurately, from him, and turned and ran. Eyes wide and face a little white, he tore across the road, splashing through puddles and slipping in the soft mud. Whirling around the corner into Pine Street, he saw a woman rush bareheaded out of a nearby house, and two men come running down an adjacent alley. Rather. He noted them with that odd sense of observation, which works intuitively, for his whole being was concentrated on the sight of that slight, boyish figure lying motionless in the roadway. For a second, Dale stared blankly, unable to understand. His first thought was that some human agency had done this thing, but almost as swiftly he realized that there was no one in sight— who could have struck the child unconscious nor had there been time for such an assailant to get away then as he hurried closer through the gathering dusk he caught sight of a trailing wire gripped convulsively in the small hands and in a flash he realized the truth in a flash too he realized that the body was not as motionless as he had supposed a writhing, twisting movement, slight but ceaseless, quivered through the helpless victim, from his thin, black-stockinged legs to the blue lips. To the white-faced lad bending over him, it seemed to tell of great suffering born, perforce, in silence. And he was such a little kid. From Dale's own lips there burst a smothered, inarticulate cry every idea, save the vital need of tearing loose that killing grip, vanished from the older boy's mind. Heedless of a warning shout from one of the men, he bent swiftly forward and caught the child by one shoulder. What happened then, Dale was never afterward able to describe clearly. It was as if some monstrous tingling force, greater, stranger than anything he had ever known, struck at him out of the air in a twinkling it tore him from the boy on the ground and hurled him almost the width of the street he crashed against the stone curbing and for a second or two lay there dazed and blinking then climbed painfully to his feet i oughtn't to have touched him with my bare hands he muttered uncertainly i must have got nearly the whole charge he felt faint and sick and wobbly from the horrified group gathered helplessly around the unconscious boy across the street a woman's hysterical cry beat on his brain with monotonous iteration what can we do what can we do it's terrible oh can't you do something if only we had rubber gloves murmured one of the men vaguely where's the phone interrupted another I'M GOING TO GET HIM TO SHUT OFF THE CURRENT. YOU CAN'T, SOMEONE REPLIED. PEOPLE WERE CONSTANTLY RUSHING TO GASP AND EXCLAIM, BUT DO NOTHING. THE POWERHOUSE IS CLEAR OVER AT MEDINA. IT'LL TAKE TOO LONG TO GET THE CONNECTION. I'M GOING TO TRY, ANYHOW, WAS THE SHARP RETORT. IT'S BETTER THAN DOING NOTHING. As he dashed past Dale and disappeared into a neighboring house, the boy moved slowly forward. He splashed through a puddle, and something he had read or heard came back to him. Water was a perfect conductor, and he had been standing in a regular pool of it when he grabbed the child. No wonder he had been shocked. "'Insulation,' he murmured, his head still swimming. "'That's it!' THE HANDBOOK SAYS." The bag of papers bumped against his thigh, and somehow Dale's numb brain began to clear swiftly. How could he have forgotten that paper was a non-conductor, as well as silk or rubber? Rubber! Why, the bag itself was made of some kind of waterproof stuff. He thrust aside a half-grown, gaping youth give me a show can't you he cried almost fiercely thrilled exhilarated with a sudden sense of power he jerked the bag off his shoulder the kid'll never live if he waits for you fellows to do something with extraordinary swiftness he pulled out several thicknesses of newspaper and wrapped them about one hand and arm similarly swathing the other he dropped the rubber coated bag to the ground and stepped squarely on it his eyes were wide and almost black with excitement oh cut that out he snapped over one shoulder to a protesting bystander don't you s'pose i know what i'm doing i'm a scout a second later he had gripped the unconscious child again by an arm and shoulder this time there was no shock only a queer vibratory tingling that dale scarcely noticed so intent was he on doing the right thing he must not bungle now he remembered perfectly what the book said about releasing a person in contact with a live wire it must be done quickly and cleanly without unnecessary tugging or else the shock and burning would be greatly increased dale braced his feet and drew a long breath Then suddenly he jerked backward with all the strength he could summon the next thing he knew he was sitting squarely in a puddle with both arms around the child whose grip on the deadly wire he had broken instantly the hitherto inactive group was roused to life and movement and amidst a babble of talk and advice they surged around the unconscious lad and his rescuer before the latter realized what had happened some one had snatched the little chap from him and started swiftly towards one of the nearby houses. After and around them streamed a throng of men, women, and children, pitying, anxious, or merely curious. But now that the danger was past, all equally voluble with suggestions or advice. Dale rose slowly to his feet and stood for a moment, staring after them with a troubled frown. Why don't they give him air? He said, If only they wouldn't bunch around him like that. He paused hesitatingly, watching the procession mount the steps and cross a wide veranda. The stress and excitement that had dominated him till now seemed to have vanished, and a reaction set in. He wondered whether folks wouldn't think him too fresh for thrusting himself forward as he had done. The remembrance of the man to whom he had talked back made him wriggle uncomfortably it was one of his oldest customers gee he muttered with a touch of uneasiness i reckon i must have sassed him pretty well too dusk had given a place to-night under a flaring gaslight at the curb two early arrivals who had stayed behind to guard the deadly dangling wire were busy explaining the situation to several wide eyed later comers. They formed an animated group, and Dale, standing in the shadow behind them, felt curiously out of it and alone. The wind, sweeping up the street, struck through his wet clothes and made him shiver. Time I was getting started, he thought. It must be awful late. As he bent over to pick up his bag, the movement set his head to throbbing afresh. His exploring fingers encountered a lump, where he had hit the curb, that felt about the size of an ostrich egg. Dale's forehead wrinkled, and he opened the bag mechanically, only to find the remaining papers were soaked through and ruined. Those he had wrapped around his hands lay in the mud at his feet, soggy masses of pulp and he had delivered only four out of the lot dale tried to smile but his lips only quivered with a second more determined effort he clenched his teeth tightly slung the empty bag over his shoulder and started back toward the newsstand but he went in silence somehow the usual whistle was impossible End of chapter one